horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right, folks. Well, thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. As you just heard, I am your host, John Engelhart. Got two really good guests tonight. I think you're going to like them both. Uh, one name you're very familiar with, and that is the name of Mike Battaglia. Uh, you've seen Mike on uh, Breeders' Cup broadcasts uh, for uh, over 20 years. Of course, he called the Kentucky Derby as a track announcer for many, many years. I think he still does the morning line for the Kentucky Derby. We will check with Mike Battaglia about that. But most importantly, we're going to check with Mike about some heartbreaking news we got this week that Bob Newmeyer has passed away. Um, you know, he was on those telecast NBC ESPN for more than a quarter century. And, uh, he was only 70 years old uh, and known to his friends and fans as Numi. I'm proud to say he was a graduate of Syracuse university. Uh, and he became a reporter and sports anchor for Boston Channel 4 held that position for 20 years and uh, that but uh, where you saw him most was standing side by side with Mike for about two decades of Breeders Cups and those two guys I, I guess uh, in a sense they were the first national regular guys because when Mike and Numi got together they were just Two gamblers talking about horses. There just happened to be a camera and a million people audience <laughs> while it was going on. So we'll be talking to Mike Battaglia about that. And then uh, af after talking with Mike, we're going to go on to, uh, oh, I can't call him a young man anymore. A guy that uh, worked for me many, many, worked with me, I should say, not for me, but uh, he was kind of interning in our uh, publicity marketing department, Robert Forbeck, just one of the many that uh, I hope uh, will remember me on the way back down. Robert Forbeck is now the National Advertising Director for the Daily Racing Forum. So we're going to talk about their coverage of uh, not only the Breeders' Cup, but how the whole forum's focus has changed uh, over the last couple of decades, of course, uh, uh, Robert being of that uh, kind of techie uh, type age, he, he's on the cutting edge of it. Also, he fancies himself as quite the handicapper. I know he was co-host uh, with a good friend of ours, Ed Meyer, on a local station in Cincinnati doing Saturday morning broadcasts and handicapping the horses when they worked together at Turfway Park. So we will handicap the final two graded races at Keeneland Racecourse. Um, well, again, you know, uh, back to uh, Bob Newmeyer. I mean, he played a key role on the, the, the major uh, telecast, and it's hard to believe he passed so quickly uh, at the age of, of 70. Um, and he had been doing play-by-play -play for the World Hockey League's Hartford Whalers uh, when he got his first job up in Boston. And then, as I stated already, back in the 80s, um, he started working with the Breeders' Cup just on their news feed that got news and personalities uh, to local TV channels. And then after that, he came out with Mike, I believe it was 1990. 
And, uh, boy, they covered some great Breeders' Cups, not all of them great in what happened. Uh, you know, we, we did have the uh, tragic day at Belmont Park when three horses uh, died on the track, uh, including champion Philly Gopher Wand. You've really got to keep your composure, but you've still got to get information out to the public. And Numi did that fantastically. Uh, those are things you can't predict with live television or particularly with uh, the uh, – what happens in horse racing on a day-to-day when you're on national television? Uh, so uh, we will we will miss him, uh, you know, uh, sparring with Mike. But uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to Mike Battaglia about his experiences with Numi. And don't forget, Breeders' Cup's coming up. I haven't announced the prizes yet, but as you know, we always give out prizes for the Breeders' Cup Classic, and that will again happen this year, so stay tuned to winningponies.com. I'll announce all the details this time next week, Uh, but until then, come on over to the website, because that's also where you can pull down the easy win forms. I hope you were down in some warm weather this week. Uh, I know Gulfstream Park we was betty betty good to the easy win forms uh we did have a one dollar super key that paid two thousand one eighty five in addition to that we had one the day before for one thousand five hundred and thirty six and on that same day had another one dollar super five this was a key that paid one thousand three hundred and nineteen we do cover races from coast to coast and out of Santa Anita. We had a mere 50 cent pick five that paid over 1600. Don't believe me. Nobody else does go on over to winningponies.com and you can see our selections and what the results were. So uh, that's pretty much the setup for the show. Um, We're going to give you some breeders cup updates. uh, Then, uh, the stallion fee announcements, we gave you about half of them last week, and they keep coming out. Uh, you'll want to hear some of the big names and what they're standing for uh, at this time. Now, uh, one horse uh, who uh, won't be going to the Breeders' Cup but will be going to the stallion shed is Order of Australia. Now, uh, he won the Breeders' Cup mile last week, but uh, he had a physical setback. They're back in Ireland training with Aidan O'Brien, and they found a, just a small fracture, not career and life ending. They were going to end his career anyhow as a stallion. So they put a small pin in this morning, and they say he's doing fine. He should just be fine. He's a four-year-old son of Australia and should be very popular, especially as a Breeders' Cup winner. So... Uh, uh, we will miss him in the Breeders' Cup. Now, one guy that we've seen a lot of recently, we're going to see more of, is uh, Larry Kalmus. He's going to move into an expanded role <clears throat> with uh, TVG. You may have noticed during the summer that on select days, Larry was on the set with the TVG people, and uh, now he's going to get a little more airtime. Of course, he's best known as the voice of the Triple Crown and Breeders' Cup on NBC. Um, He'll be covering the races from Gulfstream Park this winter, as well as joining in on additional broadcasts. But uh, he's really smooth. Of course, his voice is fantastic. Uh, But uh, he'll uh, he'll be a real positive part of that team and from what i've heard of his selections and his insight into the racing that's going to be great and also uh tvg's uh adding an international expert his name's adam mcgrath he used to be the host of racing.com um that was kind of based out of australia but he really knows his european horses and well, with all that's happening especially with all the signal
signals we can get these days. You want to stay up in the international scene, and they're bringing in Adam McGrath to help them there. Now, Mario Pino, I touched on it last week quickly. It earned him Jockey of the Week, career win number $7,000. What I didn't know at the time was... This was going to be his last week of racing, so he's hanging it up. That was his goal to get to 7,000. He actually got to 7,001 before the night was out. Uh, But uh, nonetheless, uh, he gets to walk away happy and healthy, he said, and he feels very satisfied about his uh, career. So congratulations to 7,000 man, Mario Pino. Now, uh, we talked about we're going to get a little bit in the studs uh, while we can. Now, Essential Quality and Maxfield are going to John Abel, which is Darley American, as if they don't have enough great horses. Uh, but we will find out after the upcoming races. Maxfield's not going to be going in the Breeders' Cup, but he does have another race inside him. Um, and, and of course, uh, essential quality, uh, he's going to be one of the favorites, if not the favorite in the, uh, British cup classic. Now, just to remind you about Maxfield, he's never been off the board in 10 career starts. And, uh, uh like, uh, uh, so many good horses, he won Keeneland's grade one Claiborne's futurity, so did essential quality. So uh, they'll they'll both be going to uh, Johnabel. Uh, now uh, at that great farm, uh, Medallia Dioro will stand for one hundred thousand. That's for this year. He was the number one yearling sire in North America by both average and medium in twenty twenty, and no stallion can match his twenty million dollar yearlings since two thousand and sixteen. Again, Medallia de Oro, a mere hundred thousand dollars to get to him. How about Derby winner Nyquist? Uh, you can get to him for. 55,000, Street Sense 75,000, and Hard Spun at 35,000. What a great, there's some more uh, stallions, but I can't name all. I got other farms to get to. How about Gainsway? No surprise here. The roster is led by Tappet, who uh, pretty much he leads all active sires in nearly every category, including progeny earnings of more than $175 million, which makes him the richest American stallion in history. So uh, uh, hats off. Uh, he No big surprise there. Tap it. What a beautiful horse. Now let's see. Uh, other good horses down there. Um, McKenzie, uh, he's going to stand for uh, 30000 and uh, we'll take a quick look at the the top horses on their roster aside from Tappet. You've got Tap Ritt, his Belmont winning son. You can get to him for only $10,000. Not too bad. All right, let's not forget Darby Dan, who has their roots in Galloway, Ohio. Um, it is dialed in that will head up their roster. Uh, and uh, they stand uh, 12 stallions now. Don't forget, they stand a Kentucky Derby winner. That'll make a good trivia uh, contest now. And you can get the dialed in uh, who, uh, you know, just has a fantastic record if you dissect it for only $15,000. I know that's not chump change for you and me, but as breeders go, it's not too bad. Now, the Derby winner, how about Country House? That's right. Got put up in the Kentucky Derby. People forget about him because he never raced again. $7,500. And just behind dialed in, 
$10,000 to higher power. And at Lane's End, man, we can't get through their whole roster, but we can tell you this, Quality Road will be the top dog there at $150,000. And also, how about his son, City of Light, who's got off to a good start? He'll stand for $60,000. Candy Ride, He's still throwing babies, $75,000. And uh, Twirling Candy, his son, stands for sixty. dollars How about Leon's map? He's had him at a good early part of his career for $40,000. So uh, that's a look at all the major farms in Kentucky. Now, again, you know, uh, racing is not over. And I uh, want to kind of catch you up on what is going to happen uh, next couple of days. We do have a Friday graded stakes race, uh, the grade three Valley View. Uh, that will be uh, tomorrow, Keeneland, race number nine, 516. You think people don't want to, like, uh, get the last check that's being written at Keeneland? 16 horses entered in the Rubicon Valley View and only 14 of them can go to post. We'll find out the weather's kind of iffy in central Kentucky. This race scheduled for a mile and a 16th on the turf. And the Fayette just run at a mile and an eighth. That's going to be run Saturday. It's a grade two. And uh, while they don't have a 14 going to post, it's still a very, very solid field of nine. We'll find out who my man Robert Forbeck likes in that one in just a minute or so. So uh, those are the two uh, that are happening uh, at, at Keeneland. And yeah, let's just uh, move down just a tad here and tell you that aside from those, you've got the uh, grade three. Autumn Mistakes out at Santa Anita. That's a mile on a turf for the three-year-old fillies. So horses decided to cash in and pass on the Breeders' Cup. And then on Sunday at Santa Anita, you've got the Twilight Derby at a mile and an eighth on the turf. And there's a son of candy ride by the name of Rock Your World, considered one of the Derby favorites that will be going to post in that mile and eighth turf, turf event. All right. That's a look at national news. What's coming up. And of course, at the top of it, told you that our first guest is going to be none other than Mike Battaglia. So we're going to take a quick break and we come back. We're going to be with Mike. and We're going to talk about his association with Numi. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. BUSR brings you the best options for Triple Crown season, and now is the time to get in on the action. Bet on the Kentucky Derby with BUSR. Enjoy daily rebates and cash bonuses, including up to a $500 welcome bonus for winning ponies listeners. 
Enter promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, when you sign up at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Again, that's promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Bet with confidence. Bet with BUSR. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. Well, when I heard the news this week about the passing of Bob Newmeyer, my thoughts immediately went to Mike Battaglia. Uh, I, I guess from now on when they introduce us as the regular guy, I've got to put an asterisk there because I, I, I think uh, that Mike Battaglia and Bob Newmeyer were the first regular guys seen oh. on national yeah. television because that's the way that they came off. They were just a fantastic team. Again, Newmeyer in the 80s, uh, he was just uh, working for the Breeders' Cup. Uh, getting news feeds, and I believe it was back in 1990 that he first joined our next guest, Mike Battaglia. How are you? I'm doing good, John. How about you? I'm I'm fine, man. I'm fine. Uh, li- li- living in the moment, I was, loving I, the life. I should say doing good, but you know, the new me it, it hit me hard because not only was he a colleague, he was a good friend. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I, I wanted to learn tonight, Mike. Uh, again, I went uh, back and, uh, you know, I told you off air, I've been watching a lot of your old broadcasts together, and it was just fun. And, that, and that's why I called you the first original regular guys, because uh, you two guys uh, played each uh, off each other fantastically. But tell me about, let's rewind back to 1990. What was it like when you first met him? How did you get to know him? Did you just see him as a handicapper, as a sports reporter? Uh, tell us about it. Well, I didn't go get to NBC till about 93. So he was already with NBC. And I started in 93 and worked 20 years. And most of those with knew me right by my side. Uh, you know, we, we hit it off right away because we both like to gamble. <laughs> so, you know, that was, we had that in common. Numi wasn't just the kind of guy who's going to stand up there and tell you who he liked. He, he puts his money where his mouth is. And, uh, you know, he was, uh, he, he he was good in all sports. He was I was just horse racing. Newman could cover anything. He had been he was he he's like a legend in Boston. I can tell you it's a couple stories about him uh, in Boston that uh, I mean he they, they just they absolutely loved him in Boston. I went up there. Uh, he invited me up uh, to stay with him for three days. We played in a, a member guest tournament at his club. And we, we had a blast, but every everybody up there, I mean, you know, Numi was a, a huge celebrity. And he was, to, to me, just, uh, like you said, a regular guy just really describes him. And you know, you've known me for years, so you know I'm just a regular guy. <laughs> and so yeah. we, we just, we just kind of hit it off, you know. So, uh, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, okay, we'll, we'll get to the part of you guys on air, but, you know, it's not like you just show up on the set that day. You guys were probably together during the week uh, when, when, when oh, your yeah. uh, 
when you when your bit was over, the you two guys sit down and pull out a racing form and start capping. Well, I'll tell you, uh, one of my one of my best stories with Numi is it was in two thousand and six. We were out there covering the Santa Anita Derby, and the Santa Anita Derby was like the sixth or fifth or sixth race on the card that day, but it was the first race of the pick six. So brother Derek was a big, big favorite. He was one to two. And so Numi and I said, well, let's, let's make a pick six ticket. We'll key brother Derek. And then we'll, we'll go off the air. We'll go upstairs and sit. We got to have a pick six going. And Tom Hammond was in with. So we key brother Derek. We made like, I don't know, it was a four or $500 ticket. We didn't, we didn't spend a lot on, you know, with three guys. And so brother Derek wins easy. We get upstairs, and by the time we get up there, the next race had already gone, so, and we hit that one. And we had keyed. I loved Rafael Bejarano back then. He was coming yeah. you know, He started off here, came up. Yeah. So he was in the last race riding the horse for Bobby Frankel. So we keyed Brother Derek and Bejarano in the last race on the Frankel. Intercontinental. Horse. Would that ring a bell? <laughs> I think that might have been it. <laughs> How would you know that? Because I talked to Raphael last week, and I taped that for him and sent it to him at Santa Anita as a present. No. Yep, and he remembered the, it. The, well, the thing of it is now, though, when we get up there, like I said, with Bejarano, we, we've got two legs in. Bejarano wins the third leg. Then he wins the fourth leg. Then he wins the fifth leg. <laughs> and we've got him keyed in the last one. He's just ridden three winners in a row. So Numi said, we're going to take a save. I said, nah. So that'd be bad luck. Bad luck, I'm telling you. So we, we here he comes. He came from dead last, second last or dead last, got up and won by a head at the wire. We oh. uh, hit about 27,000 on, a, on oh. a, uh, Saturday afternoon. It was pretty nice. <laughs> that That's not bad. That's not yeah. bad at all. Yeah, but it was good because we were sitting up there in the clubhouse in Santa Anita Kind of, you know, everybody knew us. So we talk. You still got it going. You still got. Yeah, we're we're still alive. You know, as long as long as keeps winning, we're good. I guess. <laughs> you know? uh, it, it, it was so much fun watching. You, know, you talk about him being a regular guy. It was uh, uh, not last season. The season before that, I was uh, working with Jenny Reese down at Kentucky Downs. And all of a sudden I turned around, there's some guy sitting there chewing on Marty McGee's ear, and I take a good look at him, and it's Bob Newmeyer. So, you know, I took a couple (laughs) shots of him, but he was just sitting there with his form hour, you know. I I think he had done some pre-race things earlier in the day, and, you know, he's just hanging out there with Marty. And like you said, if if you had not seen him regular, somebody probably would have said, who the hell's that guy? He's like, he better know who that guy is. He loved a bit. You you wouldn't have believed I told you we went up and played in that golf tournament, and as a, a member guest, you wouldn't have believed the bets we had. I had no idea. I said, "What the hell are you doing, Numi? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it." Um, we had I, I don't know. It was oh, about fifteen hundred or eighteen hundred dollars with a side bet. We wound up losing two hundred dollars or three hundred dollars a piece. So, what do you do? 
<laughs> yeah, but you, you you got good stories out of it for sure. I, I just want to oh, remind our yeah. audience that you can go back on YouTube and see some of the old uh, uh, Breeders' Cups. And there were some fantastic ones. But what, one part that was always kind of a, almost like a cartoon with you two guys was when John McQuirk would throw up. Now, <laughs> we would show up. and. Describe him to our audience, and what was it like? I don't think he understood half of what he was saying. Oh, he was, you know what? That's the, I like the guy. He was a blowhard, but he was just, he was a good guy. We called him Mutton Chops. We never did call him John. Uh, What was his name? Yeah, John McCreary. But we called him Mutton Chops because he had those big Mutton chop sideburns. Yeah. And so, you know, whenever he would come along, he would just stand up there and start spouting about the abilities of the British forces and the, of the horses coming from England. And, uh, it, you know, John, you know, this, this, this is America. We got, we got your number here, buddy. <laughs> and I, I don't think he ever, I don't think he ever came on and gave us a winner. <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, Mike, back in 2002, he did, and he was on the he same did? horse you liked, and the name of the horse was High Chaparral. And, oh, I remember that horse. Yeah, well, as a matter of fact, going uh, that race, Mike, and this was a comment from Numi, uh, that, that put you four for seven on the day, which ain't too bad, but the interesting <laughs> thing about this High Chaparral, yeah, the High Chaparral is they cut away to Aiden O'Brien, and in the box with them, was a young son that like hugged him and gave him like you know a big congratulation hug. That had to be Joseph O'Brien. I'm thinking yeah. back in 2002. Yeah, sure. yeah. he's got yeah, one. He was in. probably he's got I don't know, about it, seven, it, eight years old. If that, oh, it's hilarious. Yeah. But yeah, you, so don't say you didn't have any winners. You went at that point. You were four for seven on the day, and you did pick uh, High Chaparral. But I, I remember when uh, <laughs> Mutton Chops walked away. Numi looked at you. He says. Did you understand a word he just said? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. We we just we had the whole NBC crew. We had a lot of fun. We really did. Donna and Kenny Rice and uh, uh, Tom Ham. They used to call me Tom Hammond, me Kenny and Donna, the Kentucky Mafia. That's what they called <laughs> us at NBC. <laughs> well, you were. Yeah, we were. <laughs> But uh, there were some other, what was it like? Because you and Umi are standing right there on trackside. And uh, to to see uh, such great races as, uh, well, uh, Numi's pick getting nosed out by by Tiz now. Uh, Yeah. Some some of the other ones, uh, sad to say, Mike, your pick, uh, King Kuga clipped heels uh, back in 2000. But what a race that was with War Chant getting up and as a matter of fact i think that was like uh, uh, gary stevens was making a comeback on that horse probably one of many um yeah i was gonna say gary made a couple of comeback one of my favorites i love gary and he was a hell of a rider just a hell of a rider no no other way to say it well i mean you were there for you know kona gold's new track record uh you, you you've been at all the venues uh t- tell me yeah. something over all those years had to happen off camera that none of us saw that maybe was uh, funny odd or challenging oh so many things uh with numi let me think of the uh off camera with numi oh i tell you what one night we were uh this was back 
I guess this might have been in the late 90s, right around in there. But do you remember the uh, TV show NYPD Blue? Sure. I don't know if you did. with uh, uh, Dennis Franz on there. He played. Yeah, he was on the backstretch at Churchill Downs. Yeah, he was. He was, but he was huge. He was. He won Emmys, and he was huge. Well, we were. uh, There was about oh, I guess ten of us sitting. We were having dinner at uh, Vincenzo's, that Italian place downtown Louisville. It Mm -hmm. it was uh, probably Thursday, Thursday of Derby Week. And Numi was sitting a couple down from us, but Tom and I were kind of toward the end. And we see Dennis Franz sitting in there behind us. And I said, man, I love that. I love that show. I love that guy. He said, yeah, do you think we ought to let us say something to him? I said, ah, you know, this guy, is, you know, I didn't want to bother him or anything. We see him. He gets up and he's walking out. As he's walking out, he looks over. He goes, no, me. What the heck? Hey, buddy, how you doing? And they're sitting there talking to me. Yeah, how Sylvia doing, Dennis? Yeah, we got to get together. He just said, like I said, he was just, he, wherever you went, wherever you went, they knew, knew me. Celebrities, non-celebrities. That was, it was just like another guy to him, Dennis Franz. It was funny. Yeah. Yeah, I, I he was something. I remember him on the backstretch because that's the uh, the year, and you know this guy, John McKee was riding the favorite lawyer Ron, and uh, oh, I've yeah. got I, I got a picture of John McKee and Dennis France. As you know, uh, John McKee's no Deshaun Parker. I mean, <laughs> he's every bit of about five foot two, and to see him There's standing no next to Dennis France, <laughs> it makes for yeah. a good photo. Uh, yeah, yeah, John is, we, he's, he's one of the littler ones. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, when he's it having was, a great, he had a great Keeneland meet, Johnny did. Oh, he was like uh, 50% wins. Yeah, yeah, it was three for five or three. He was, and he won another race uh, yesterday. Did he? So I love yeah, that kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he took, he took down rider. the Belterra title, too, you know. Yeah, he always was a good rider. Uh, uh, I always liked the way he rode. He's ridden a couple of horses for us. He's always done a good job. Hasn't won, but our horses don't usually win. <laughs> well, now, were you and Numi ever involved in partnership on horses? I know you've gone in with different people over the years. Yeah, he was in. A, he was in. We we had a horse that we were partners in called Conflict of Interest. And uh, it was a, all the NBC guys, the producer, the director, we were all in on it, Tom. And we named it Conflict of Interest. It was a filly because we knew she was going to be in the Oaks the next year, and we were going to have to televise that, and we thought it would be a conflict of interest. She wasn't. <laughs> it never became one, huh? <laughs> and, uh, she won. As a matter of fact, no, it wasn't Johnny McKee. It was Brian uh, Hernandez that rode. She she won. Broke her maiden at Kentucky Downs, going a mile and a half to Kentucky Downs. <laughs> and so that that was about the extent of her wins. Yeah, but it's just fun being partners with people. And I know you've been partners with different people off and on. I I oh, yeah. One of the last times I saw you at Keeneland, you were sitting down uh, right up against a window having a lunch with a guy most of our listeners will know, Chris Collinsworth. You've become good friends over the years. Oh, yeah, we're tennis buddies, golf buddies, uh, very good friends. I mean, he's, we've, we've got one now, right now, but uh, he's not much. King's Ovation, he broke his maiden at Churchill, ran a great race that day, but and he was actually second in the uh, swale. He came from off the pace and ran second, but he hasn't been able to do anything. He just got beat at even muddy at Indiana Grand 
on uh, Monday, I guess it was. He finished a well-beaten third. Well, uh, it, it, it's good to see, see him still involved in the game since the days he was racing horses at Latonia uh, with your <laughs> yeah, friend Andy. Down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Andy Furman, he was another character you got to know well over the years. You, you've, you've had quite a few on your list of friends for sure, Mike Battaglia. Um, yeah. was, was there a venue that you guys uh, liked the most as far as doing it? Probably the California scenes, right? Because you were guaranteed good weather. Uh, we, you know what, I, he, I, every one of them, I, they all had something different. I loved going to Woodbine. I really enjoyed going to Texas for the Breeders' Cup to Lone Star. I really liked that. Uh, I thought I thought going to Canada was great. Uh, we did one at Arlington, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the Breeders' Cup at Arlington, and I think that's that's just a shame that that's that that's going to be gone. But uh, you know, I, my favorite venue. <sighs> I, you know, I, I, I love Del Mar, and I really like Santa Anita, but I love the Kentucky tracks, too. It's just that I, I see them all the time. But if I had to travel to go to one, I guess it would probably be Del Mar. Uh, I really yeah. like Del Mar. I can't blame it. Yeah, you alluded to Arlington Park. It was I did watch that show. That was uh, 2002. And, uh, yeah. That that was the year we had one of the biggest upsets ever in the Breeders' Cup, uh, and I'm I'm sure uh, you and Numi's jaws dropped when Volpone th- uh, yeah. blew through to beat War Emblem and Medallia Oro. Yeah, I remember that. But I also remember, I'm pretty sure that was the year that Baffert won the uh, Juvenile with uh, yes. Uh, but from from Turfway that I loved, he broke to the front, and it was a, they had to go longer that day that that year at Arlington because of the configuration of the track. What Correct. the heck was that horse's name? Um, yeah, they had to go a mile and eighth. I vindication, a vindication, I think. Vindication. Yes, yes. Ding, he ding, went ding, a ding, mile ding, and an eighth. Yes. Yeah, and and I, I absolutely loved him in the in the Breeders' Cup. We actually made a big bet on vindication and then Numi was known for some big bets, but, uh, he one, I, I know that uh, he, he wouldn't care if I thought, but he, he bet a thousand dollars on empire maker to win the Belmont <laughs> to, to, uh, spoil funny sides, uh, triple crown empire maker just romped that day. Well, you know, you got to bet with your head, not your heart, Mike Vitagli. Yep. You, you know that. Yep. Well, listen, yep. hey, thanks That's so it. much for taking time out and sharing your stories about Bob, about Bob Newmeyer. He, he will truly be missed. And, uh, oh, you know, you, you guys danced a lot of great dances together in the world of racing. And uh, there's a lot of people out there that greatly appreciated the uh, dynamic duo of the Breeders' Cup. It'll never be the same. Thank you, John. All right, that was Mike Battaglia. I'd list his resume, but this show isn't long enough. But it is long enough to squeeze in a gentleman that has heard race calls by Mike Battaglia since he was a wee lad. And that's none other than Robert Forbeck from the Daily Racing Forum. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. You are listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! 
What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. And with me, as I told you at the top of the show, Robert Forbeck and I go back a long time. And uh, now he serves as the uh, with the Daily Racing Forum as a uh, Senior Vice President and the National Advertising Director. Not sure if I got that right, Robert. How are you? I'm doing well, John. Appreciate, uh, appreciate the opportunity to be on the show. You never called it invited me before, so... don't start that don't start that this guy changes numbers more often than a stripper in paradise Uh, but uh anyhow i'm glad you made it now uh, that had to be funny coming on and all of a sudden hearing mike battaglia's voice because you've only heard that about ten thousand times Oh well, yeah. As I said, it was like as I I, they patched me in. It was like uh, old home week, right? Listening to you and Mike. I mean, you know, being here in the Cincinnati area, I grew up going to River Downs and watching you and Kevin Gomer on the what was the Sunday show on Sunday mornings that uh, you guys did? Stretch Run. The Stretch, my favorite show of all time. My buddies and I used to go on there and try to sneak in and get some uh, get behind the camera shots, and you guys were filming that during the week. Um, and, and tried to be on the show and got a kick out of watching that. And then obviously growing up and uh, going to Turfway as a kid and uh, learning, you know, cutting my teeth on how to read the racing form and the past performances and listening to Bataglia. And then, you know, when I, I interned at Turfway when I was going to University of Louisville, and then that was my first job out of school before I came and worked with you guys. And, yeah, I've heard about uh, probably about 50,000 race calls from Mike for sure. Yeah, you know, it was like you'd walk into Turfway, and it was—he was like he was part of the building. You know, you would hear his voice, and all of a sudden, you know, given the changes out or the overweights, it'd be like, ah, I'm home now. You know, there's Mike's <laughs> voice. Uh, yes. But it, it, it was great. It was a good area to go uh, to grow up, a real hotbed w- with racing. And I'm sure that, you know, in, in your role with the racing forum, you, you, you know, do all kinds of analytics and you look at things. It is amazing when the Kentucky Derby's over, when they look at, at the top national markets, since, uh, Louisville's always number one, number two often is the Cincinnati market. And if not, Cincinnati, D- 
Dayton and Columbus will all be in the top 10 every year. So, uh, you know, as somebody that grew up in that area, did you realize that you were really in that much of a hotbed? And I, do, do your marketing stats now prove it? Well, I, I mean, I don't know if I realized it was a hotbed, but I mean, if you think about it with, you know, Riverdowns was, what, 75, 80 years, now Belterra Park, um, you know, Turfway, before that was Latonia, uh, and then Keeneland is an hour and a half down the road, Churchill, hour and 40 minutes or something like that, basically the racing capital of the world down in the Lexington uh, area. And, and it's funny because when, when I tell people, because I, you know, I visit all the tracks uh, all over the place, and when people find out I, I live in Cincinnati and they're like, you know, because our home offices are in New York, and they think it's odd that I'm in Cincinnati. But I was like, if you think about it, I explain everything I just said to you about proximity to local tracks, and then I could get on a plane and be basically anywhere within an hour, hour and a half to probably 75% of the racetracks in the country, right? So um, yeah. this really is a, a great spot. Uh, you know, I was just on a bus trip, uh, what, two Saturdays ago down to Keeneland, and you know how those are. I mean, when the Keeneland meets going, there's there's buses going up and down 75 every day uh, during those 16 days from Cincinnati. So there's definitely a lot of interest here. And quite honestly, from a product standpoint and even an ADW standpoint with DRF vets, uh, we have a lot of, a lot of Ohio and Cincinnati folks. And I was out at the NHC uh, at the end of August uh, for that event. And there's, you know, there's a ton of folks that qualify for NHC that are from right around here as well. A lot of contest players. Well, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you and your father end up in some of those major handicapping contests? Yeah, yeah. My my father was the first one to qualify, and then uh, I qualified uh, a couple times myself. So, you know, it was all I didn't stand a chance, man. You know that you've met my you've met my dad, and I grew up going to the track with uh, with my grandmother, who was at Riverdowns literally every day during the meet, uh, and would let me. She would. She was ill, unfortunately, and got to the point where she couldn't drive. And I was 14, 15 years old, and she would let me drive the car uh, <laughs> to, to take her to Riverdowns. I swear, it's the honest to God truth. And she couldn't get up and down the stairs, so she would give me a – and she loved sitting at the very top of the grandstand. So I would run – she'd give me money. I'd run down for her. And, uh, you know, again, I'm 14 years old, something like Nobody that. Cared. And the mutual clerk would let me would let me bet for her. Like, oh, that's Kate's. That's Kate's grandson. He's good. And oh, I know, those I were the days. Yeah. <laughs> I love the good old days. Favorite, some of my favorite memories. Uh, it was great. So you get to take that that with you, you know, and you, like I, we, we're part of the uh, ink-stained wretches, I say, with love, as guys growing up with a daily racing form in our hands. And now we've seen how much that has changed. You can't even I'm, – I'm keeping my old full-size forms. God knows what a collector's item they, they might be. <laughs> um, don't tell my wife that. Uh, anyhow – Now, do you know up in uh, – when I go to Woodbine, right, up in the Toronto market – we still sell the full-size forms. It's the only market, and it's because of the print shop up there. That's the size they make them in. But they're still it's it's uh it's like going back in time when you go up there and buy a form because it's the old size. Well, as much as we love it, you know, you, you got to change with the times, especially guys like me that are on the cusp of the the new math, shall we say? Um, but it does make so much sense that you you were in the uh. uh profession of disseminating disseminating 
information that people want. And you're really not in the pr- printing business. It's laborious and involves uh, logistics, transportation, manpower, uh, and a lot of machinery. I, I've been there. I, I've watched how they make the sausage. So, <laughs> and, and like the rest of the country, everybody's moving to ebooks and things like that. So, how hard was it when you first got there to try to wean old farts like me away from the racing form and from what I do on a daily basis now, go to drf.com. Well, John, surprisingly enough, and, and, and you know, I, I spent, I was out of the racing industry for a while. I spent 16, 17 years with iHeartMedia, um, you know, selling sponsorships and advertising for the Cincinnati Reds, uh, the number one team in the AFC, Cincinnati Bengals, the number two team in the country, Cincinnati Bearcats, right? Uh, we're the football mecca of the, of the country right now. Um, and I spent 16 years selling radio stuff and selling against print, right? So print's dead, print's dead, print's dead. And then I go to the racing forum, which, uh, you know, obviously, and quite honestly, print is still a very important component of the forum. We, I mean, we, we are back already. Obviously, COVID wiped out a, a good portion of print sales for a while, but we're back to pre-COVID uh, sales levels. And interestingly enough, during the Saratoga meet uh, this summer, we we were up like 50% in on-track sales for the print edition versus 2019 in Saratoga. So, I mean, don't don't uh, write the obituary yet because print sales are still strong. I mean, you can't be on-track at the track and not have a form in your hand, right? Like, that's sacrilegious. So, um, but we, you know, digital sales are strong. People like to buy the... Uh, you know, the PPs in advance, like you can go on right now and get get the advanced PPs for the Breeders' Cup and get your homework in. The the uh, the print edition, the advanced paper, the, the Breeders' Cup advanced uh, edition went on sale today at any of your at the track or your local watering holes or wherever you might buy your form. So their print is still a big component of what we do. Uh, obviously, digital, more and more people are going that way, but we still we still sell our fair share of the print editions. You know, I love to hear that. That is that's yeah. very interesting. I had no idea that the and it it happens in life. The pendulum swings, and well, uh, I, I, you you have to have especially now. If I, I now I won't lie, if I'm sitting here on a Saturday afternoon or tomorrow, uh, doing some administrative stuff before I go to San Diego next week for Breeders' Cup, I mean I'll have TVD on. I'll be I'll have the Keeneland PPs up on my iPad and I'll, and I'll go about it that way. But if I'm at the track, I mean, I have to have a paper in my hand. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta be, a, and, and it, there's also something, you, you know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to sell forms here, but I've had a lot of good friends of mine, people, you know, trying to move me on to other formats. Oh, John, you got to try this. You got to look at their stats. You got to look at this. Stats. Sure. Look over the years, it's like muscle memory. You, you condition your eye to look for certain things, especially if you've been successful in unearthing some gems that way. And so the tool I've always used was the daily racing form. I'm not saying, you know, I'm adverse to input from other, you, you, you know, ent- entities and, uh, you know, like the easy win forms at winning ponies and stuff. But I like to do my own homework 
myself and and your eye is trained to look for certain things now hats off to the form with things you did like you know the the, the trainer's stats are invaluable uh as far as how successful they are with whatever turf next race back stakes race and the jockey trainer uh combinations they're beneficial so things like that 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 have that weren't there 20 years ago when you and I were reading the form, they're there now. But over that time, we've trained our eye again to immediately scan down to that in the PPs and put that in our memory bank. Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I, I mean, long before uh, I ever joined the form and I've, you know, I've been reading the form since I was eight years old. So it's been a long, long time. And uh, to your point before, you know, when I was at iHeart and, um, playing in contests and going to the races and, and owning horses and all that stuff. I, um, you know, I had a couple buddies that said, Oh, you know, if you play on this, uh, on this ADW, which I was playing on at the time, you get your PPs for free. And, you know, it was another product. And I was like, I'll look at it. I, I, I couldn't do it. But to your point, like, I, I realize a lot of it is all the same information, but it's just, it's not where I'm used to it to being. Um, and I, you know, I could grab a, set of pps drf pps and i can i can handicap a race you know within like you know at least at least give it a rundown and know what i'm looking at uh within a matter of no time and you know we've added a lot of uh statistics that are quite helpful that you mentioned and even on the uh if you go to drf.com and if you use the formulator pps there's even more stats uh that you can get that aren't even in the print edition and one of my favorite aspects of the formulator is actually you could just click on the link, you know, for the last race, and you can, if you're handicapping a horse, you're like, man, I wonder what, you know, you you see the past performance line, but oftentimes the visual element of it, you know, right. doesn't necessarily drive with what you're looking at, and you could just click the link, and you could watch that previous race, um, you know, for all that horse's race, you know, all the races on the PP lines. So that's uh, that's another facet from a digital standpoint that is tremendously helpful that uh, if I'm looking at those, I, I utilize that all the time. Well, uh, listen, uh, you know, I've, I've got a, a little time. I told people that not, not only are you, you know, uh, you know, a top guy at what you do with the daily racing form, but you, you remember how to handicap. So I'm going to put your feet to the fire here, Robert, if I may. Now I know that you've been handicapping at Keeneland about as long as you have at river down. So, um, let's jump in to the last two graded stakes races of the season, starting with a really amazing race, uh, in the Rubicon Valley view that's tomorrow. Grade three. How about this? 16 horses uh, are entered. Obviously, only 14 will go to post. And as you know, the weather in this neck of the woods has been a little wet and it's predicted to be that for tomorrow. So, But they're usually pretty good about getting their graded races in. But anyhow, who did you like in, in the Rubicon Valley? There's a couple long shots that are going to draw my eye, particularly on some soft going. Uh, but uh, it looks like the two that maybe rise to the top a little bit are crazy beautiful and uh toby's heart although toby's heart i question the distance and crazy crazy beautiful for all of her class and uh your success she's only raced on the turf once but that was and she won the only time she was on turf so i don't know you you enlighten us she well i mean she won easily right she's a liam's map which necessarily you know doesn't scream turf but um well at the end of the day, it all comes down to what the weather is going to do, right? One thing I and I know you did, and 
any of us that work at the track uh, for any period of time know that you can't beat Mother Nature, right? So the, it's been raining here all day. It's supposed to rain all night. It's supposed to rain all day tomorrow, all night tomorrow, and part of Saturday. So if they do get this race on the turf, it'll be a minor miracle. Um, and if they do, to your point, Crazy Beautiful, I think, is the class of the field, and she's won over the surface. I don't know if I want to play her at those odds. You're absolutely right about Toby's heart. I've I've followed uh, her from, you know, I, I saw her first race when she won, and I, I've followed her all the way through, but she's I, she wants to sprint, right, is all indications to me. Um, that race that she won at Kentucky Downs last time was she couldn't have won any easier. Um, and then the, the other one, if it does stay on the turf, and it's because we know it's going to be soft ground, uh, is the uh, O'Brien horse, right, the 12-horse. The, the Queen, queenship. That's who, my long shot. I mean, she likes the soft. Yeah, obviously lightly raced. You know she's going to love the soft going coming over from Europe. And, you know, anything that O'Brien sends over is live, right? They're not just sending them over to send them over. So um, if they stay on the turf, that's probably going to be my top runner. All right. Well, good good reason to do it. Yeah, uh, that the, you know the, the class is a question mark because you don't know what they're doing, but you do know that this that you know they've been packing as much as 126 pounds and beating 14 horses in the process. So whether or not they were in a graded stakes race or not, that that's a feat of of, of its own. Well, we got only got two minutes left for Saturday's feature. It's the Fayette. Very interesting from a handicapping perspective, and I'll let you take it away. Well, you know, it is, it is an interesting race. Well, I mean, one of the coolest horses in training is is the one Sleepy Eyes Todd, right? That <laughs> horse is, he's done a little bit of everything. You don't see many horses that, uh, you know, ran in Dubai and then made their next start at uh, at Fonner Park and yeah. going seven dogs in a mile. I mean, it's crazy. It's uh, that's, uh, the, the, you, you couldn't make that up. That's like the, the, you see that in the movies or something. <laughs> I, I think that horse is He's the one that you're going to have to, to beat, especially breaking from the rail. And I think there's major question marks with a lot of the other, um, you know, the so-called contenders in the race, right? Like Night Ops hasn't won a race all year, has a bad case of second-itis now. Does Independence Hall want to go the distance? Um, to, code of Honor, I mean, if you look at the two races, this is an interesting thing for, to me that I've been looking at this year, especially as these horses stepping up the graded company that, you know, have done well in lesser company, and then they have to go off Lasix, right? So how are those horses running not beat all Lasix? And if you look at his two races without Lasix, they haven't been quite as good as the races with Lasix. So that's a question mark to me. Honestly, I'm going to go off the board on this one. A horse that I'm, to- I'm absolutely going to have on my ticket is number eight, Fort Peck, who is 20-1 to in the morning line. His last two races off the claim, man, if anybody listening has a chance to go back and look at that race that he ran at Saratoga back in August, you will not see a horse win a race any easier than that horse. I mean, Cohen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you heard that from, from the, the top horse of the stretch on. You heard that from the horse player's mouth. Speaking of which, I got to close mine. Robert Forbeck, thank <laughs> you. Mike Battaglia, thank you. And thank you all for taking time out of your day to listen to Winning Ponies. I'm John Engelhart. Bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. 
Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.